This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we begin with visit from that master of the one-liners, Bob Hope. But the jokes he used were from Bob Hope's joke doctors, his gag men. The jokes were his currency, but out of anyone else's mouth, they just wouldn't have been worth as much. Hope's gift as a comedian was his timing, his rhythm, the way he could signal to the audience when to laugh. And unlike other comedians, Hope wasn't interested in building to the laugh. He just wanted to get there and fast. The key ingredient in writing a good joke, according to Sherwood Swartz, one of his writers, was brevity. There was a certain drill to beginning uh, being a hope writer. You called into his secretary, got the topics for the day, sat down, and wrote jokes. And if hope was on the road, the writers would have to be especially ready. They might get a call at 2 in the morning from overseas, hope having neglected to factor in the time zones. When writer Fred Fox left on his honeymoon... A hope asked him to send back 20 jokes a day. Well, Fox was incensed, but he sent the jokes anyway. And Hope returned the favor by offering a week at his Palm Springs house to Fox and his new bride. Talk about pressure. If you didn't produce a usable joke in three weeks, you were gone. Well, let's see how good his writers were back in 1938 as Bob Hope hosts his show. Ah, thank you so much, and welcome you all to our fun shop, while we manufacture the laughter, it's accident sales that we're after, to make you smile the more worthwhile. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back again for the GOP. Good old Pepsi. <laughs> Tonight, I'm just a lull between election returns. You know, there's been so many campaign speeches on the air lately, I turned on my radio last night and it handed me a cigar. <laughs> and what those politicians say about each other, it sounded like they were doing their Christmas wrapping early. <laughs> well, election day is almost over and I'm pretty tired. My uncle ran for office in Eagle Knob, California, and I've been voting all day. <laughs> It doesn't pay, to be honest. I voted 12 times a day, and I only got paid for 10. <laughs> when my uncle got through voting, the ballot box was so stuffed it had to take six bicarbonates of soda. <laughs> my uncle isn't exactly crooked. I'd say he was sort of a pretzel with skin. <laughs> when he was running for office last year, he said he'd do the public good, and when he was elected, he kept his word. <laughs> he did them good. <laughs> But you'd like him. He's a great man. He came up from the gutter, and boy, is he homesick. <laughs> He's a very thorough politician. Two hours before the polls open, 
He put in his application for a recount of the recount. <laughs> he had so many cigars in his pocket, he looked like a pipe organ. <laughs> but I want to take this opportunity to thank the 26 intelligent, honest, right-thinking voters of Eagle Knob who voted for my uncle. The other 2,000 know what they can do. <laughs> are really slow in Eagle Knob. I entered the polling booth there, pulled back the curtain on the voting machine, and what do you think I found? A guy still voting for Hoover. <laughs> oh, but that's enough of that. Bill, tell the ladies and gentlemen who's elected to entertain the peps and the voters tonight. Well, Bob, we have one of the famous Marx brothers, Chico Marx, and in our usual roundup, Skinny Ennis and his band, the mad professor Jerry Colonna, through the courtesy of Warner Brothers, Six Hits and a Miss, and Bob Hope. Oh, that's Bill Goodman, ladies and gentlemen, the big outdoor man. We went up to his cabin in the woods over the weekend to do a little deer hunting. I came back without a buck. <laughs> Reminds me of Santa Anita. But boy, I said, there's nothing like getting out in the open. I love to go hunting in the woods. It fills me with something. Buck shots. <laughs> but it's marvelous up there around Bill's cabin. The deers eat right out of your hand. Here in Hollywood, they eat right out of your pocketbook. <laughs> Isn't that a slick line? <laughs> Oh, but I'd tell you, the first day Goodwin shot of the moose, he came so close, he shot the milk pail right out from under it. <laughs> the second day out, I came face to face with a bear. It was pretty horrible for both of us. <laughs> it was a very old bear, didn't have a tooth in its mouth. They were all in my arms. <laughs> Bill shot at the bear 15 times without hitting it. Suddenly, the bear ran in the woods and came out a second later with a large red bullseye over its heart. <laughs> a large red bullseye over its heart. <laughs> hey, we went a little deeper into the woods and ran across an elephant. The elephant came up to me and said, uh, I've been hiding in here all day. How did we make out in today's election? <laughs> I told him, and he went deeper into the woods. You know, um, <laughs> as Skinny Edison and his band were up there hunting, Skinny's a great hunter, he fired one shot and ran up to Goodman and said, is the guitar player out of the woods? Goodman said, yes. Then Skinny said, really? Then I shot a bear. <laughs> Bill, that's a nice cabin you have up there. But did you really like it, Bob? Yes, Bill, except the bed you gave me. Well, when I made it up, I asked you if you wanted one lump or two. <laughs> Bill, that bed was so uncomfortable, even the beaver got out. <laughs> well, anyway, the trip was a success. All except the last day. I fell on a porcupine. Really? Did you, did you get the needles? Well, Bob, I, I have so many needles in me. Every time I eat spaghetti, my stomach knits a sweater. <laughs> Hiya, fellas. Hiya, Skinny. Skinny. Say, Skinny, did you ever hunt there? Yeah, but I don't like it. The leaves pickle. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm, I'm disappointed in you, Bob. Why, what about Skinny? Well, you know that bird dog you sold me? Yeah. Well, he doesn't sing a note. <laughs> <laughs> what a hunter, Skinny. You couldn't bring down a duck off a meat hook. <laughs> well, everybody liked you up there, Bob. Really, Bill? Uh-huh. Even the parrot in my cabin. The parrot? Yeah. He woke me up in the middle of the night and said, Is that Bob Hope, the comedian? Mm -hmm. and, and I said, yes. Yeah. So the parrot laid an egg as big as an ostrich and said, let me see him top that. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. 
And now our six tips for the mess are going to sing out Johnny Mercer's version of the musical football player, Jamboree Jones. Take it, talent. <laughs>
Well, so long, Bob. <laughs> Wait a minute, Chico, Chico, what are you leaving for? When the people applaud, that's enough for me. <laughs> Wait a minute, we got to do a show. I know, but I got to go home and learn how to play the piano. Well, can't you learn how to play next week? No, next week I'm giving a concert. <laughs> yeah, well, what about our audience? You've got to do something for them. Okay. Wait a minute, Chico. This is no place to sell ice cream. Why not? We need some good humor around here. <laughs> Besides, Bob, i got to make it some money. But, Chico, you're getting a check for this program. Whose check? My check. <laughs> Look, Chico, what are you going to do tonight? Well, I think I just stand in the back and hit. <laughs> well, you'll have plenty of company. <laughs> well, goodbye, Bob. I must go home now. <laughs> Say, Chico, you like that house of yours, don't you? How many bedrooms have you got? Bedrooms? Let me see. Uh... Oh, we got no bedrooms. No bedrooms? What do you sleep in at night? In my night sight. <laughs> Some joke, eh, <hey>, boy? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's my turn to stand back here and hear. Say, uh, <laughs> have you got any bathtubs in the house? Well, I tell you, we got a new plan. We got a shower right over the bed. Shower right over the bed? Mm-hmm. All we got to do in the morning is to turn the water on, and then we don't get wet. <laughs> well, why don't you get wet? We don't sleep in the bed. <laughs> Look, Chico, if you don't sleep in the bed, where do you sleep? In the park. <laughs> yeah, but if you sleep in the park, well, what do you need the house for? Well, we got to have some place to keep the bed. I don't know, but that sounds kind of stupid Yeah, I got that from my uncle He was a kind of stupid fool Way over like this <laughs> get it, I get it, Tito Well, it's so long, Bob <laughs> I gotta go now I'm just itching to go home Now, wait a minute, Chico You gotta play the piano All right, so where was I? Well, you were just itching Okay, we start from scratch. <laughs> Wait, they're taking my coat off. All right, say that's a nice coat, but why do you wear it inside out like that? The other side it belongs to Groucho. He's wearing it. <laughs> I wish I was with him. Ladies and gentlemen, Chico Marx will now play his own arrangement of an original composition based on the second Hungarian Rhapsody by Franz Liszt. Ticket for the Rose Bowl football game? For the Rose Bowl? I'll say how much? Well, for you, five dollars. Five dollars? Five dollars. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, here's your five dollars. Okay, here's your piece. Yeah. <laughs> a piece? Wait a minute. How about the rest of the ticket? Oh, that's no good. I can't make a much profit selling a whole ticket. <laughs> well, you only gave me the top part of the ticket. That's all right. You only sit on the top part of the seat. <laughs> I forgot to tell you. You know, you got to go to see for that football game right in the middle. In the middle? Uh-huh. Yeah, right behind the middle of the scoreboard. <laughs> behind the scoreboard? But how do I see the game from there? Well, I tell you. I sell you a nice brace in a bit. 
Then you'll make a nicer hole for yourself. I'm in the hole now. How much does that cost? $4.25. $4.25 for a brace and bit? Yeah, $4 for the brace and two bits for the bit. <laughs> I wish Groucho was here to give me an answer for that one. I miss him more than you do. Anybody can drop a script. Go ahead. It's all right. I know, but I saw those jokes before. <laughs> You'll see him again, too. <laughs> hey, Bob. What's that? I'm going to do you a real big favor. Oh, don't go home so early, Chico. <laughs> no, I'm going to let you have a pair of field glasses for the game. Well, Chico, I'm not so sure I can afford it. How much are you going to let me have them for? Very cheap. Only 25 cents. Well, that's reasonable enough. Now, how about some lenses for the glasses? $50. <laughs> Look, Chico, how much would you charge me if I don't go to the game? Well, what seat are you not going to sit in? <laughs> how about not sitting on the 50-yard line? That's no good. There are too many people not sitting there now. You'd be in the way. <laughs> Bob, we got us some more jokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we go again. What is it now? She goes, I got us something else you need very badly at the game. What is it, a radio? No, it's a map. Shows you how to get to go out, go out for the game. Yeah, that's a good idea, Chico. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it's a little late to put on your glasses. Look. <laughs> Chico, it's, <laughs> it's pretty crowded on New Year's Day. Let's take a look at that map. Here you are. Now look. You take a number 66, and you go out about a four miles. Uh-huh. That brings you to uh, 33. Yeah. Now you go out of 33 about two miles. Now 66 and a 33, that makes a 99. Now you're on the right road. <laughs> now you take a 99 for 280 miles, and that brings you to the Grand Canyon. Oh, boy, that's a beauty. <laughs> hey, that gives me an idea, Chico. I've never been there, and I'll need a vacation about New Year's. Is there any fishing? Sure, fishing and hunting. You want to buy a license? Yeah. <laughs> I was afraid of that. Wait till I go home and sell my annuity. <laughs> Say, maybe you'd like to have buy these football tickets back. No, thanks. I'll let you have them for $3 a piece. No, thank you. Oh, all right. You can have them for nothing. I won't need them now. No, I don't want them. What's the matter? Don't you want to see the game? I saw the game. California won. 13 to nothing. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's the score of last year's game. That's all right. You got a last year's ticket. Yeah. <laughs> And now 
Skinny on a sing that beautiful number by Larry Clinton, My Reverie, based on a theme by Claude Debussy. Okay, Skinny, take just a little sad? Well, then why not decide to swing over to Pepsodent Tooth Powder containing Irium? Pepsodent, and only Pepsodent of all tooth powders, contains Irium, the new cleansing agent. And Irium is the remarkable discovery that helps Pepsodent remove stubborn surface stains from your teeth. At least twice a day, night and morning, every day of your life, use Pepsodent Tooth Powder and you'll be rewarded. It won't be long before you say you never dreamed your teeth could sparkle so. And you never knew your mouth could feel so fresh, so clean as it does when Pepsodent Tooth Powder containing Irium is always on the job. Best of all, Pepsodent Powder containing Irium is safe in its action on teeth because it contains no grit, no drugs, no bleach. So if you want these effective cleansing results, try Pepsodent Tooth Powder with Irium. Although it's made him dizzy, that old bush leaguer Bob Hope is going around in circles to give you his version of Stop Beating Round the Mulberry Bush. All right, circulate, Bob. Hey, Bill. Yes, yes, Bob. I'm in trouble. I got a summons for $50,000. You did? What's the matter? Well, look, last week yeah. I called up my girl and I told her to stop beating around the mulberry bush and to come right out and tell me she loves me. Yeah? I asked her to marry me and she accepted. Well, I don't see any breach of promise there. Yeah, but I had the wrong number. <laughs> but boy, this is serious, Bob. What you need is a good lawyer. What I need is $50,000. 
Listen, I, I know just the man for you. Well, one thing, is he good? I is he good? Why, he got my sentence cut down from 90 to 60 days. Really? Gee, for having one headlight out, too. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. If you ever go through a red light, let me know and I'll give you a farewell party. Come on, Bob, let's go. Well, here it is, Bob. Law offices of Cohen, Goldfarb, Cohen, and O'Cavity. How'd, how did old Cavity get in there? He put up the money. <laughs> Let's go in. Say, hey, gosh, it's dark in here. Oh, pardon me. That's all right. I'm only the best. <laughs> I wish they'd turn the lights on. We never do that during lunch hour. Why not? The bosses get jealous when they see me eat. <laughs> Hello, lost is the CGC and okay. A divorce? What time would you like? We know Mexico or radio. What's a radio divorce? When you get married again, we guarantee you a spot on the Eddie Cantor program. <laughs> Goodbye. Say, look, miss, my friend Bob Hope wants to hire a good lawyer. Well, you better try someone else. The last case we defended was Paul Revere for parking his plug in front of a plug. Ah, a case, a case. Come right in. Have a seat. Have a cigar. Have an accident. Are you attorney O'Cavity? Yes, and you can't lose. It's an open and shut case. You were home alone that night reading a book. Uh -huh. Now I'll call Central Casting and get two witnesses who were with you. Very nice, but I have a breach of promise suit on my hands. Breach of promise? She can't do that to you. Promising to marry you? Breaking your heart? Leaving you crushed and broken like a second-hand Dixie cup? We'll sue for $20,000. That's well, but there's just one catch. What's that? She's suing me for 50000 Oh, lucky me. <laughs> we'll make a settlement. Let's pay 25000 for her and 25000 for me. Uh, wait a minute. Where will I get the money? Haven't you entered the movie quiz? <laughs> hey, what a lawyer. He probably went through law school on a student tour. Oh, 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 pardon me. There goes another ambulance. This trial. Hold on to the customer while I do a little road work. Hey, don't tell me attorney O'Cavity is an ambulance chaser. Mister, he's been chasing ambulances so long, he has roller skates on his briefcase. <laughs> oh, darn those ambulance drivers. Put grease on the running board again. <laughs> hey, uh, what were you saying before they rang for me? I said I was being sued. Oh, that's nothing, so Sally ran. Yeah, but she'll probably wiggle out of it. <laughs> Hey, how about making out your will? Only $25 extra. Uh-oh, oh, 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 there it goes again. Wait a minute, I'm going with you this time. Okay, hang on. We'll wrap off the courthouse. Hey. Hey, boy, this is a busy court. Listen to the hustle and bustle. Hello, hustle. Hello, bustle. <laughs> Session, the court of sessions is in session, and I do mean session. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, there's the girl right over there, Susie Sapina. We all call her Sweet Sue. Uh, hello, Sue. Hello, Cavity. Well, here we are again. Here you are, Jenny, your cracker jack, popcorn, alibi, sail bonds, and a pussy pussy ice cream. <laughs> Who's that? Uh, that's the girl's lawyer, Ravelli. <laughs> hey, boss, do you call me? Yeah, I want to make a deal with you. That's fine. How about draw poker? Here's your card. My card? I got a five bases. I think I'll open. What do you got? I got a headache. <laughs> Rebelli, if you were my lawyer, I'd say you were crazy. Yes, As a matter of fact, if you were my lawyer, I'd say I was crazy. Sounds, sounds just like Groucho. No? No. <laughs> well, so tell me, why is your client suing me for breach of promise? 
I'm running a special on the Beast of Promise this week. Next week, a habeas corpus with green flowers. With green flowers? Yeah, habeas Irish rose. Some sort, right? <laughs> no. No. I object. <laughs> well, I read anybody's lines. What are you... <laughs> what do you... I object? What? what are you objecting for? The trial uh, hasn't started. Well, I'm just warming up. Order <laughs> in the court. Order. The judge is about to appear. Reading case. Let's arbitrate. <laughs> Hello, Sue. How are you? Hello, Judge. Well, where were you on the night of October 25th? At home. You should have been with us. What a brawl. <laughs> Is the jury present? Hello, Judge. Sue, you remember the boys. Sure. Hiya, fellas. Hello, Sue. What's new? <laughs> I'll give three to one. I lose this case. <laughs> That's no good. You can get 12 to one from the jury. <laughs> Judge Colonna, I think there's 30 days. <laughs> but Judge, that isn't 60 days. Wait a minute, you can't give me 60 days. Ah, yes, Maeve. My time is your time. <laughs> Bring the defendant and the plaintiff to the bar. You're going to tell Sue's all through that, but... And see your dentist twice a year. <laughs> I do. I do. I now pronounce you man and wife. <laughs> I object you're here to dispense justice. Very well. Justice will be dispensed with. <laughs> Continue with the case. It's your shot, Mr. Ravelli. <laughs> okay, I take to the witness. Hey, Hope, where were you on the night of February the 30th? There wasn't any night of February the 30th. Oh, so you stole that too, huh? I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not exactly proud of you either, Ravelli. I object. Objection overruled. All right, I object again. Objection overruled. That's fine. Now I got a pair of overrules. <laughs> I'm afraid to listen. What kind of a trial is this, anyway? Am I going to get justice? Ah, justice. Justice, a famous justice once said. Oh. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh, there she goes again. Quick, where's my race? Hey, that's for my case. Just a minute, Shyster. What about my case? And what about my case? I object. You can't object. You're the judge. Objection overruled. I'm throwing this case right out of court. What happened, Judge? I forgot to let go of the case. Bill, we have that man with us. Yeah, that man? That man, Groucho Marx. He's coming over and explain the whole thing. Then we'll have our regular cast, Skinny Innocent's band, Six Hits and a Miss, Jerry Colonna, Bill Goodwin, and Bob Hope. Thank you. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Until next Tuesday night at the same time, the President Company bids you good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Stay tuned for Boston Blackie, next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 at 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. And now, here's Boston Blackie.
Jackie, what are you doing home on such a gorgeous day? Waiting for you to come over so we can take off for a drive in the country. Oh, well, what are we waiting for? Not a thing. Come on, let's... Uh, You want me to answer, Blackie, or should we ignore it? I'd better take it. Otherwise, I'll be wondering all day who is calling. (laughs) Hello. Hello. That's funny. Hmm? What's the matter? There was somebody on the phone and... When he heard my voice, he hung up. Uh, you know what they say about uh, when a man answers. <laughs> oh, good night. Now there's somebody at the door. Well, I'll take it this time. Yes? What? Blackie? There's nobody out here. Oh, but there must be. Well, the hall's empty. Now, look, here's an envelope on the floor. Well, Brian, the bell must have left it and run. Yeah, well, let's see what it is. Come on, hurry. Hey, Mary, now take it easy. Okay, hurry up, okay. Well, Blackie, what's in the envelope? Look to yourself. It's empty. First the phone rings, and nobody's at the other end. The doorbell rings, and the hall's empty. Now this envelope with nothing in it. Gosh. And the fact that nothing is in it means something's going on. Take the low road, and I'll get to Scotland for you. For me, hey, Ginger, I... what are you singing for? Oh, I always sing that song when I'm happy. You do? Johnny, we did that job just like Charlie wanted it to. So? You planted that evidence on the senator right under Boston Blackie's door. So I'm happy. Okay, so I put the envelope under Blackie's door. So what's that to be happy about? Gee, Johnny, you must be dumb. What do you mean? When Blackie gets a load of all that stuff on the senator... He'll have him put away. And Charlie will start running this town, and I do mean run it. Seeing that you're Charlie's number one girl, you'll probably be right there running it with him. That's right, Johnny. Then I'll be in a better spot to put in a nice word for you. Yeah, you know what Charlie thinks of me. Yeah. I'm an errand boy, that's all. Well, maybe I could change that. Hey, you really mean that, don't you? Sure do, Johnny. (laughs) Hey, I've been hearing a lot about the senator... Was he ever a senator, really? Are you kidding? His real name is James Martin. He's an old-time ward healer who stepped into the rackets. He was never even elected dog catcher. Yeah, but as of now, we're electing in the state's number one jailbird. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good. <laughs> I know. Well, that's why I was saying. <laughs> you take the, the high road, road and I'll, I'll take the low road, road and I'll, I'll get, get the You can tell Charlie all about it. Oh, that's no way to talk. You want to get places in this business, don't you? Well? Make up to the boss. Paid off for me. Yeah, that's different. Come on, Johnny. I'll let you tell him the good news. Oh, okay. Hiya, Charlie. Oh, you characters came back just in time. I was losing this game of solitaire. Oh, no, you weren't. Put that black eight on the red nine, you got a new pile. Oh, forget about the cards. What happened? Go ahead, Johnny, tell it. Um, it, uh, went off just like you planned. Well, tell me the whole thing, from beginning to end. Well, uh, Ginger and me climbed up the stairs to Blackie's floor instead of using the elevator. Yeah, go on. And Ginger stood back near the exit while I sneaked up to Blackie's apartment. Yeah, that's right. Put the envelope under his door, rang the bell, and ran. Uh, yes, sir, I ran. Yeah, it's the whole story, Charlie. Uh, 
Blackie never saw us. I figured it that way. Now we're going to celebrate the new boss of this town. Well? Me. Yeah, let's have a real celebration. Not you. Just Ginger and me. Scram. Are you busy, Senator? Well, it depends, Dallas. What is it? There's a maverick outside who says he's just got to see you. Is he one of my constituents? Yeah, I couldn't rightly call him that, Senator. It's Johnny. Ah, one of Charlie Evans's boys. Huh? Well, where's your hospitality? Show him in. Step lively, Johnny. Okay. Senator says he'll see you. Hello, Senator. Hello, Johnny. I'll be out here, Senator, if you need me. It's been a long time since you've come visiting in this bailiwick. Yeah. Last time was when I come asking you if you had an opening in your organization. That's right, my boy. I'm sorry I didn't have one. That's all right, Senator. I'm pretty sure you got an opening for me now. Well, that's all. Even if you have to make one. You sound like you're in a bargaining position. Shall we put our cards on the table? Sure, Senator. I got nothing to hide except this stack of papers. And just what do those papers represent? A detailed list of your illegal activities. Including murder. That's so. Charlie collected it, wrote it down, put it in an envelope, told me and his girlfriend, Ginger, to put it under Boston Blackie's door. That's very interesting. And how do those papers come into your hands? I took them out when Ginger wasn't looking. That's so. She's over at Charlie's place, and the two of them are celebrating. The great big nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I presume you read the papers. Uh, sure. But uh, since I'm going to be one of your boys... You got nothing to worry about. No, no, but, uh, you do. Hey, what's the idea of that gun? No! Well, that's that. Hey, boss, what's all the shooting for? I was just being obliging, Dallas. By killing him? Well, Johnny said he was pretty sure I had an opening for him, even if I had to make one. Yeah? So I made it. In him. Blackie, stop mumbling. You can't help it, Mary. It's oh. still bothering me. The phone, the door, the envelope. Well, a drive in the country should make you forget all about it. Now, here's the car. Oh, yeah. Watch your head. Uh-huh. Are you in? Yeah. Oh, well, maybe there's an explanation for all this. Sure. Maybe that ride in the country is what I need. Blackie. What, Mary? Hmm? I didn't say anything. <laughs> I must be hearing things. Blackie. Now, look, Mary, I just heard my name. Blackie, I didn't say anything. Oh, this is too much. There's a phone call from nobody, then a doorbell with nobody ringing it, and then an envelope with nothing in it. Now voices. Am I going crazy? <laughs> Blackie, were you ever sane? What the... Inspector Farrell. Hello, Miss Wesley. What's bothering you, genius? What are you doing in the back seat? I saw you two come out of the building and head for this car, so I made myself comfortable. Well, that makes us uncomfortable. We're going for a ride in the country, and we don't need you. Maybe not, but I need you. Why, Inspector? Why, Miss Wesley. Blackie, you said you were going for a drive? Okay, drive. But before you go... I'll take those papers you've got, which will give us a case against James Martin. James Martin? The senator? That's right, Blackie. Now, stop stalling. I know you have the papers. Well... Charlie Evans called me about a half hour ago to say that one of his boys put an envelope with all the dope on the center under your door. Oh, Blackie, that envelope. Oh, yes. Well, Faraday, I did find an envelope under the front door, but there was nothing in it. I don't get it. 
Why should Charlie Evans call me with that kind of a story? Who knows? All I can tell you is that the envelope I got was a typical Faraday envelope. What may that be? Looked important, but there was nothing inside. that Blackie had all the dope on the senator. Yeah. I'm in the clear. Blackie will turn it over, and then the sky's the limit. Ah, Charlie, that's the way I like to hear you talk. <laughs> I'll get it. Okay. Oh, you take the highway. Hello. Yeah, yeah, this is Charlie Evans. Who? Oh, hello, Senator. Senator? No, no, you must be mistaken. I wouldn't do a thing like that. You What? You're shaking. Well, what happened? What did the senator want? Johnny slipped those papers out of the envelope and turned them over to the senator. Why, that dirty, no-good, double-crossing, tin-horn crook. I didn't say that. And I said I'd put in a good word for him. Now, forget about Johnny. We got to get out of here before the senator comes calling. The senator's coming over here? Yeah, yeah. And he isn't coming for our vote. Start packing that small suitcase. Well, what'll I put in? Well, put it... Oh, forget it. We just better scram or we still can. Come on. Charlie, I'm scared. So am I. Hey, what, what is your rush, Charlie? What? Going someplace? Close the door, Dallas. Sure enough, Senator. Hey, how'd you get here so fast? Tell him, Dallas. We don't want them wondering, do we? I reckon not, Senator. No, we don't. You see, Charlie, there's a phone booth in the lobby. Gosh, so you're the Senator. That's right. Uh, I think you wanted the Golden Club. That was from a distance. Oh? Charlie, why didn't you ever tell me the Senator was so handsome? Well, I'm afraid Charlie has been telling the wrong things to the wrong people. Oh, and Charlie never told me nothing about you. It was his mistake. And I've seen Dallas here at the Golden Club, and he never told me he worked for such a swell boss. Thank you. I go to the Golden Club all the time. Uh, say, Senator, we come up here to take care of something. You're right, Dallas, and time is precious. You said it. So, uh, goodbye, Charlie. No, no! <laughs> <laughs> he deserved it. I'm glad you agree. Imagine trying to pull a deal like that on a nice guy like you, Senator. Why, my dear, this adulation is very pleasing. <laughs> I wish I had more time to hear it. Oh, Senator, why don't you take me along with you? You're my what? type. We could have such a lot of fun. Somehow, Dallas, I didn't believe a word she said. <laughs> And now, back to Boston Blackie. Charlie Evans, small-time racketeer, plans to take over from James Martin, kingpin crook known to the underworld as the Senator. Charlie sends his stooge, Johnny, to Blackie's apartment with an envelope containing a detailed account of the senator's activities, hoping that Blackie will get to work on the senator and put him in jail. At the same time, Charlie calls Inspector Faraday and tells him that Blackie has the evidence. However, Johnny double-crosses Charlie, brings the papers from the envelope to the senator, who kills Johnny. Then the senator and his sidekick, Dallas... Killed Charlie and Charlie's girlfriend, Ginger. 
As we return to our story, Inspector Faraday and Blackie, unaware that any of these murders have happened, are on their way to talk. Faraday, why'd you insist on taking your patrol car? Well, because I want this visit of Charlie Evans to be official, Blackie. Oh. He said he could prove murder against the senator. That's all I wanted to know. I see. Okay. And just to clear up something else that may be bothering you, genius, I was the one who called your apartment before and then hung up before you answered. What was the idea of that? Well, Charlie Evans had called me about sending that dope on the senator to you. I just wanted to check with you. Well, what made you hang up? Well, I decided to come to see you instead. Calling car 42. Calling car 42. Inspector Faraday, car 42. Go ahead. The body of Johnny Hastings has been found in an empty lot on Schuyler Street. Uh-oh. Two bullets through heart. Two bullets. Body discovered and identified by Patrolman Samson. That is all. Have the coroner and the lab boys get to work on it. I'll be back at headquarters within a half hour. Johnny Hastings? Uh-huh. He was one of Charlie Evans' boys. It was, that's right. Let's uh, collar Charlie and uh, tie this thing together. <laughs> Surprise, Charlie Evans, Blackie. Okay, Barry. Here's the apartment. All right, come on, let's go. Well, looks like Charlie has already been surprised. Yeah. Who's the dame on the floor next to him? It's Charlie's girlfriend, Ginger Larkin. Oh, the dame that's always singing Loch Lomond, huh? Well, her singing days are over. First Johnny, Charlie's henchman, now Charlie himself, and his girlfriend. Looks that way. Blackie, who did it? The senator, I imagine. And this is what must have happened. Yeah, tell me. Johnny delivered that envelope to me, but he removed incriminating papers and tried to swing a deal with the senator. Swing a deal? The senator killed Johnny, destroyed the papers, and then took care of these two. That's a great theory, Blackie, but how do we find the senator? How do we prove he did it? That's my department. Give the press and radio the news about Charlie's murder, Yeah, but hold off any announcement on Ginger. What for? I'll have the senator in jail in 24 hours. You will? Yeah, you... In 24 hours? You're not kidding. That'll be the day. We weren't going driving today. I thought I'd do the next best thing and just sit in the car and wait for you. <laughs> well, move over. I want to talk to you. Okay. And Evans is dead, and so is his girlfriend Ginger and his stooge Johnny. Oh, no. Three murders? Blackie, why? Well, the old, old story of gangland double cross. Oh, who did it? I think it was the senator. You think? Isn't there any evidence? No. The senator's boys could give him a hundred phony alibis. Mm. I've got to find the senator and force him to make a break. Well, how do you do that? I need your help, Mary. How can I help? You're about the size of Ginger. And with a lot of makeup, I can make you look a little like her. Oh? Well enough, at least, to pass the dark, anyhow. Now, why should I have to look like anybody else? Faraday is holding off the announcement of Ginger's murder. Yeah? I'm going to make you up to look a little like her and then drop you off at the Golden Club. Hey, that's a dive in the tough end of town. I know, but where the senator's boys hang out. But there's nothing to worry about, you understand? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be around someplace. Well, I should hope so. Oh, another thing. Oh, great. Ginger is known as the Loch Lomond girl. Yeah. She's always singing it. So, you sing it. Huh? I want the senator's boys to think you're Ginger and that you're alive. And if they think you're Ginger, my job will be a snap. <laughs> Thank you.
Frank. Huh? Stop polishing those glasses behind the bar and take care of a customer. What you trying to do? Make the Golden Club look classy? Customers are all taken care of, Dallas. I mean me. I'm waiting. And I'm polishing. Hey, now look, you. I'm the senator's right-hand man from now on. You got to talk to me with respect or there'll be a new bartender here at the Golden Club. Ah, go back to Texas. Learn how to be a cowboy. Stop riding me. Park and rope and brand you with no trouble at all. How about a demonstration? Sure. How's this for a start? Uh, there you go. Let me out. Let me out. Let me out. See what the boss has to say about this. Go ahead, tell it, teacher. Maybe you'll keep me after school. Scared. Relax, Mary. I've got every angle covered. Yeah, well, I hope so. Now, remember what I told you. Yeah, let's see. Uh, when I walk into the Golden Club, I, I don't uh, say anything to anybody, but I, right. I I send a request to the piano player, only I keep my face away from him. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ginger and he were good friends. Uh-huh. I get it. Don't forget now. Yeah. His name is Sam. Sam. Harley told me that. Okay. Well, now, I don't look at him, but I ask him to play Loch Lomond. So far, so good. And then I I, uh, I walk to one of the tables in the shadows, and I, I sing along with him. Great. And uh, remember, if my plan is to work, yeah. somebody has to tell the senator Ginger is still alive. Yeah. Then I'll get him dead to rights. Yeah, yeah, you check that stuff in Charlie's room. What do you mean, no fingerprints? Oh, just Charlie's and Ginger's. Oh. Okay, call me back. Come in. Inspector. Yeah, well, Matthews, what is it? You wanted that ballistics report? Here it is. Thanks. Um, Inspector. Now, hold it a second. Let me just read this. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, what is it? Um, how come Boston Blackie's been keeping out of this case? Oh, he's in it all right. Up to his ears. I, uh, I haven't seen him around headquarters here. Well, you see, Matthews, it's like this. Yes, Inspector. Yes, Inspector. Blackie, as usual, thinks he's going to catch our killer all by himself. Oh? He doesn't think he'll find him here. Does oh. that answer your question? Oh, uh, sorry, Inspector. I, I didn't mean to say the wrong thing. Uh, forget it. I'm just snapping at you because I realize Blackie is right again. What do you mean? This ballistics report. Well, what about it? According to this, all three people, Johnny, Ginger, and Charlie, were shot by the same gun. Which yeah. makes it look like one man did all three jobs, which oh. is what Blackie has been saying all along. Well, does Blackie know who it is? Doesn't Blackie always? Hey, Ginger, where are we keeping you, sir? What do you know? She walked right by me. Table for one lady? Uh, yes, uh, against the wall. Uh, this way. This table all right? Fine, just fine. Uh, oh, thanks. Uh, what do you have? Uh, will you uh, tell Sam to play me Lock Loman? Yes, ma'am. Hey, Sam, I got a request. That's what I'm here for. What'll it be this time? Uh, Lock Loman. Lock Loman? Is Ginger here? Yeah, I think it's her. She's sitting at that table against the wall. Where? Hey, lighting that cigarette. 
Oh, yeah. Hey, Ginger, I'll play it. You sing it. Okay. You take the high road and I'll take the low road. Hey, what is this? What's the big idea banging my piano, Dallas? You aiming for trouble, Sam? No, just playing a request to customers. Yeah, you know that's Ginger's tune. Sure, and Ginger asked for it. You're a lying critter. Take your hands off me. There she is at the table against the wall. Where? Look, look. You look like you've seen a ghost. Don't say that. i got to make me a phone call. Well, you'll have to wait, Brad. Someone just walked into the booth. Why are you so interested in Ginger? Hey, Sam, play that tune. Sure, Ginger, sure. You take the high road, and I'll take the low. Ginger's singing. I gotta get out of here. Ginger's singing. Senator. Senator. Senator, open up. What is the meaning of this, Dad? Quick, let me in. I thought I told you never to come upstairs to this office. You're to call me from the phone booth downstairs in the Golden Club. It was somebody using the phone. Well, you should have waited. Now, what was so urgent? Senator, I've just seen a ghost. The name is Ginger. What are you saying? Ginger just walked into the club downstairs. Well, that's impossible. She's dead. Yes, Senator, I saw you kill her. At least yeah. I thought you killed her. She must be an imposter. It's a trick. No, no trick, Senator. She just asked Sam to play Lock Loman. That's her song, and she was singing. I don't believe you. Why don't you check? I will. And for your sake, Dallas, I hope you're wrong. Yeah? Put the piano player on. Yes, sir. Sam, yeah? for you. Oh. You're Nickel, you talk first. Sam, this is the senator. Oh, yes, sir. Dallas is telling me that you've been playing a young lady's request. Who was the girl? It's Ginger, you know, the Loch Lomond girl. Thank you. What did he say? He confirmed your report. What do we do now? It's obvious. Apparently, I didn't kill her. So you do the job. You know, Dallas, I'd hate to think of seeing your ghost walking around someplace. I can take a hint, Senator. I'm going. Good. Wrong, you're saying. What the? Hey, you're Boston Black. I'll take that gun from you. Oh, no, you. Takes care of Dallas. Yes, it does. Now, Senator, I'll take your gun. I couldn't give you the whole gun, Blackie, but you can have a bullet. I don't accept gifts from strangers. Oh. Now, sit down. You, you've invaded my office, attacked my assistant, and forcibly taken my gun. What's the meaning of this? I followed Dallas from the cafe, and I've been listening outside your office since Dallas came in. You what? That's right, Senator. You're through. I knew if you were told Ginger was alive, you'd talk. I never knew a senator who wouldn't. And now, here is a preview of what happens next week. Hold still, Let go of me, will you? Let go! Hold his arms, Homer. No, tight up. That's right. Okay, Count, I'm holding Smitty's arms. What do I do now? You don't do anything. I do it. There. Oh. Hey, Count, why are you hitting Smitty? Because he's a stupid, blundering fool. What'd no. you do, Smitty? Bring the Count some flowers make him sneeze? It has nothing to do with that. No. I sent him to see a customer. There was somebody else in the room, and he started to tell her about our stock venture. And that somebody else was Boston Blackie. Boston Blackie? She called him Blackie. But maybe it wasn't the same guy. I never seen Boston Blackie. I've been out of town for five Silence. years. Silence! 
There's only one black in. That was bad enough, but you ran away. You left that stockage in her house. That was unpardonable. Unpardonable. No, Count, no. Step away from him, Homer. No, don't shoot, please. Don't shoot. Don't. He's dead, Count. Yeah. What do we do now? Take care of Boston Blackie. Permanently. Some of the hot rod boys are in town. There's Killer Monahan. No. Torpedo Thompson? No. You got somebody special in mind for this job? Yes. Just a minute. Come in, Olivia. But of course. But Dave. <laughs> and she? She's going to take care of Boston Blackie? What's the matter? Don't you think I can take care of Boston Blackie? Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Bold Venture, starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, followed by Red Skelton. Thanks to Joe Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.